Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is going on, Extreme Life of Mad Hardy fans? John Alba here. And I just wanted to put this at the beginning of our show this week. This is not an ad. This is just me kind of speaking from the bottom of my heart. Uh, We recorded this episode that you're about to hear on the creation of the Broken Brilliance, Broken Mad Hardy, uh, about a week and a half ago, prior to Jeff Hardy's debut in AEW. And you're going to hear us talk about Jeff's debut, but in context, not necessarily as much. So I just wanted to take a moment to say this. Those of you who have been following this podcast and know the story behind this podcast know how meaningful the Hardy Boys were to me growing up as a pro wrestling fan and how transformative they were in leading me to the point that I am right now in my career. The leap of faith that Matt took wanting to do this program with me meant everything. And Jeff appearing on our first episode really was so special for me. But that pales in comparison to what we got to see this week on AEW, where Jeff Hardy made his debut and the Hardy Boys reunited. It was such a special moment. And for me as an observer, someone getting to know Matt over these last few months very closely, it was extra special. And I know how meaningful it was to him. A lot of you make comments on social media, and you're more than entitled to like what you like. But it was undeniable seeing the genuine emotion that came from Matt and Jeff in that moment when they reunited for what may be the final time of their career. And it was so, so meaningful to me as a wrestling fan, as the host of this podcast, and proudly I can say as Matt's friend, to see that happen. I'm so happy for you, Matt Hardy. I'm so happy for you, Jeff Hardy. And I'm so happy for all of you guys because it's going to make our show even better. So with that said, I hope you enjoy Becoming Broken Part 2 as we take a deep dive into the broken brilliance of Matt Hart. And things are really 
about to be broken here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy Becoming Broken, Episode 2. We are broadcasting from Blue Chew Studios. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code HARDY at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. I, of course, am John Alvin. He is the man of the hour. Mr. Matt Hardy. And holy crap. We're here. We're not just here. Things went completely out of hand this week, and the Hardy Boys are back together, Matt Hardy. That's right. Uh, it's time to get the band uh, get the band back together one last time. It's a reunion tour. It's 2022. Mm-hmm. The Hardy Boys, one of the most game-changing acts in the history of professional wrestling. We knew you were going back out on tour. But now seeing you reunited on television once again. Jeff Hardy in AEW. What does this mean for the landscape of professional wrestling, Matt? Uh, it, it means that it's time for us to submit our legacy as the greatest tag team in all of space and time. And there's one last major title we need to win, and that is the AEW World Tag Team Titles. How much does this mean to Jeff? Uh, he's hyped. It means a lot. It means a lot to both of us to go out as we came in, and especially you know on a, on a big platform and also show while we are one of the greatest tag teams ever. Now it seems like we're going to get another version of the Hardy Boys that we haven't quite seen yet. Because every time we've seen the Hardys, there's just something a little different. Um, Even from when you guys came back to WWE in 2006, that was different from the run we saw before that. Mm -hmm. And then in TNA, as we discussed on our last episode, the Ultimate X version that won the Tag Team Championship there, that was different than the Broken Hardys. What can we expect this time around? Uh, I think you are going to see a very mature... Uh, experienced and uh, a Hardy Boys team that is very hungry to prove they can still go in 2022. You know me, 29-year-old John Alba. I'm stoked. This is my favorite tag team of all time, and I get to see it one last time in AEW. And the tag division, I was at Dynamite last week, and they had the Battle Royal with Mm -hmm. all the different tag teams, and just an insane amount of talent. Is there one team in particular you're really looking forward to stepping in with? Obviously, I know the Young Bucks, but outside of them, maybe? Yeah, the Young Bucks, I would say the Lucha Bros. Uh, And we would definitely want a piece of the Jurassic Express, Mm -hmm. of Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, especially because currently they're the AEW World Tag Team Champions. And maybe even Top Flight. That's a team that they told me, both of them individually, the Hardy Boys had huge influence on them. And seeing you guys interact would be really, really yeah, cool. for sure. I mean, there, there's a long list of teams. And there's a lot of teams and rivalries we can have that have just never happened before, that have never existed. So it's a very, very fresh landscape for us. All right, Matt. Let's go back to the future here. Last week, we set everything up on this Becoming Broken series. Big money, Matt Hardy. He is the TNA World Heavyweight Champion. We have walked down memory lane up to the most pivotal moment of your career. And that is the invention of the broken character. For the first time ever, we're going to do a long-form dive into that character. Yes. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get to it. Hit us with that Matt fact. Matt fact. Matt is intrigued by the vampire concept. Big part of this broken Matt Hardy character. So let's take it right from where you won this TNA World Heavyweight Championship. It's January 26, 2016. And all of a sudden, Jeff Hardy, he had the faith in you, Matt, that you would do things the right way. And now he wants to know why. We just saw a double turn. 
EC3, now a babyface, you firmly a heel. Tyrus is in your corner. Rebby, firmly a member of your faction here mm-hmm. that you have developed. It's the Big Money Mac character. You guys all come down to the ring, new music. Tyrus is even carrying Maxwell to the ring with you. He's a babysitter slash bodyguard. It's a big babysitter. Yeah. He might have been the first baby that he ever sat. Hopefully he didn't sit on said baby <laughs> because that wouldn't yes. end well for you. Uh, so Jeff wants to talk to you. He doesn't want to talk to any other members of the family, but instead he's going to engage in a little bit of a promo battle with Rebby. This is a really big moment for Rebby to see her kind of strut her stuff on the microphone. She says that uh, she is your wife and therefore she is family. Therefore she has the temerity to be able to speak mm-hmm. with Jeff. And uh, she says that when no one else was there for you, she was there for you. Everyone else abandoned you. And she says that she finally told you that it was time to stop giving and finally start taking. And there really is a lot of reality based on that. You know, like uh, she was with me through thick and thin in real life, too. She was with me when other people weren't. Where was Jeff along that journey for you as you were going through some of your stuff? And we will talk in long form at some point about some of your road yeah. to recovery. But where was Jeff in comparison to Rebby? Uh, I mean, Jeff just still, he hadn't got his act together as well. So, I mean, he was still there and he was supportive. And there were times where he did his best to make sure I was keeping my act in check as well. But he just, he didn't have his complete life together as well. So he really couldn't be the the voice of reason at that juncture. So he's just trying to talk to you. He doesn't want to talk to his quote, sister bitch-in-law. And that sets you off and makes you angry. And uh, he challenges you to a title match later in the night. How do you feel about integrating so much of that intimacy from your family history into a wrestling angle? I, I enjoyed it here, especially here. We were very comfortable with this angle, as I told you before, like, in the past, I feel like we were very uncomfortable doing, you know, Matt versus Jeff, just because people really didn't want to see it, especially when we were a young tag team and hot as a tag team. They didn't like seeing the Hardy Boys fight one another. You know, but Vince, once again, is trying to carve out a single star. But we were at a, both at a point in our careers where we were both very confident in our abilities, confident in our personalities, and we look forward to doing this. And Rebby was amazing in her role as well. And, and everybody was, you know, everybody was really excited for this. And we, we loved mixing it up, and we loved putting those – you know, sprinkles of reality in it. Backstage later that night, uh, you're approached by Kurt Angle, someone you go way back with mm-hmm. into WWE. He's kind of on the last legs of his TNA run here. And he's saying, look what you've become. You're not the man that you used to be. And you say that you're, you have become something. It's an icon. Mm-hmm. And uh, that you don't destroy things, you create them. And that you're creating the Matt Hardy brand and that's Kurt, who is the selfish jerk. You are full big money Matt here. And with that said, it doesn't feel to me at this point, January 26th, that there's any thought of what is to come here with the broken character. There's not. The thought has not happened yet. So we are just straight up big money map foreseeable future. Yep. And that is what we are planning going forward. So before the main event could begin, Eric Young and Bram attacked Jeff from behind and Kurt came out to try to make the save. Matt and Tyrus, you guys attack Kurt. It's a whole lot of ballyhoo, and Jeff takes a pile driver off the apron. That's important to set up because that's going to lead to stuff mm-hmm. down the line here. So you face Kurt then the next week in a 14-minute match. You didn't get a chance to really wrestle Kurt too much over the course of your career on that stage. Even right. with him towards the latter parts of his career, how great was he still? I, I mean, he was a machine. You can feel when you wrestle against guys that are, are real or the real thing. Like Brock Lesnar was so real. 
I mean, his strength and his explosiveness. I mean, he was so insanely fast in addition to being so strong. And you could tell when you locked up with Brock and you were rolling around with Brock that he was the real deal. Like, this is a guy like would be hard to handle if things got out of control. And Kurt was just the same way. Kurt is really giving to his opponents. And I've watched that a lot with his matches. Mm -hmm. Uh, And especially with you as a heel, I know he takes a lot of pride in getting heels over when he's in that babyface role. Did you feel that coming from him? Yeah, he he really did. I mean, he he went out of his way to to work hard for me and and do all he could to make that a great match. So let's hop forward a few weeks now Mm -hmm. at lockdown. You beat EC3 in the United Kingdom in a six sides of steel match. Crowd super hot for this one. Uh, You win by revealing that you've paid off rock star spud, Drake Maverick, uh, one of EC3's guys. And he turns on EC3. So you're paying off all of EC3's friendly cohorts here. And this just feels like we are going all in. I'm fortifying Big Money Matt as the top heel character in TNA at this point. Yeah, that was definitely that was definitely the plan. That's what we're out to do. And and I still I love the fact that the the continuity of the storytelling was just so personal between myself and EC3. You know, and and it got to that point where you know, I'd won the title, he did the juncture, and then we had the World Series tournament, and then the double turn, and now I'm like, I take Tyrus from him, I take his best friend from him, and, and it's just, it's, it's really personal, and we have this great vendetta against one another. So even though you're moving on from EC3 a little bit, you're still kind of staying tied to him, was that something you wanted to keep in your periphery? Uh, well, we weren't a hundred percent sure in which direction we were going, uh, you know, as we did this, we knew that I was going to work with EC3. I was going to retain the title and, and carry it on for a little while, but we weren't sure exactly what was going to happen until the little wrinkle of Drew McIntyre got thrown in there. And that is to come shortly after here. Lots of ballyhoo going on in TNA at this point, kind of that LOL TNA meme that was going around for years. We'd get a lot of uh, Vince Russo-esque uh, stuff happening. And here's what I mean by that. So you we get you versus e- EC3 versus Jeff on the March 15th, 2016 edition of Impact. And Eric Young and Bram run in. They attack Jeff just to continue all this mayhem that's been happening. The officials come out. They try to take them to the back. EC3 looks like he's going to pull one out here. Spud runs down, he attacks EC3. Tyrus comes down, he attacks EC3. EC3 looks like he's finally going to get it done after fighting through them, but then Mike Bennett runs in and nails EC3. There is so much going on here in this three-way match, and we haven't even gotten to the finish. Do you run the risk of overbooking stuff on a major angle like this when you get all that interference? Yeah, you do. I I feel like this was a a good opportunity to be chaotic, though, because the finish was supposed to be all this chaos, and then it was going to lead to this one very simple thing at the very end. And I'd made the promise that I was going to leave the ring with the title. And then as I did get away, it seems like I had survived uh, my brother, Jeff Hardy, and EC3 that night. But uh, lo and behold, I would not ultimately survive the evening. No, you would not, because in the middle of all of this chaos, you get on the microphone, actually. And you said that you'd tell everyone that you would walk out of the ring as champion, and that's what you still plan on doing. But Drew Galloway we talked about last week on Becoming Broken Part 1. Mm-hmm. He had the Feast or Fired title shot. And he comes out, attacks you, dumps you into the ring, and cashes in. He, you try to fire off some shots at him, but Galloway shoots you into the ropes, hits the Claymore kick, the Future Shock DDT, and all of a sudden, Drew Galloway has won the championship. Two things I want to get into here. What did you think of the Feast or Fired concept? 
And why was this the right wrinkle to add into the story just a couple months after you won that championship on a big double turn? It's interesting. Um, this was kind of done uh, last minute, the decision to put the title on Drew. And, and they wanted to go ahead and pull the trigger on it, have him cash in his feast or fire deal. And the feast or fire concept, I mean, it, the money in the bank thing, it, it leads to some interesting bookings for sure. And the feast or fire thing, which is obviously similar to that, uh, it may have been a little bit of an overkill because you had it for every title. I know whenever they'd have those matches and then, you know, three people would get cases and, and they would have something to cash in and then one person get fired, which is a, a real weird concept, but it is a TNA concept. It is what it is. <laughs> so when they made the decision to actually put the title on Drew and they just wanted to try this out for a little while, and I, I almost felt like Big Money Matt had so much momentum. And I feel like, you know, we once we took the title off of him and I knew that I wasn't going to immediately win it back, that was when I started thinking about the whole broken character. I was like, well, I want to try something very drastic because this is like a big deal you know, I'm celebrating. I'm the greatest TNA world champion of all time. Uh, I'm big money mad. I'm, I have this huge, massive ego, and I have this whole stable and this family I've built around me. And I think we can use these elements to go into a different direction where a character is going to be real strange, real frustrated, and almost like breaks from a mental perspective. Like, has, like it mentally breaks. So, again, this is March now. Yes. At this point, middle of March. Almost as we record this, six years to the date, mm -hmm. you have finally come up with the idea that something is going to be different here? Yes. Did you have an idea of exactly what it would be? Uh, I, I knew I wanted to do something that was like a throwback to... I, I wanted to try and do something that was going to be a throwback to like the old days of Papa Shango or The Undertaker, uh, an over-the-top character. Something where I was like so mentally frustrated that I lost this title because it was my world that an incident would happen to me in a match. And then I would, you know, declare that I'm broken and I feel like I am some supernatural being now. This is what I wanted to try and to try and do. And I thought there's two ways this can go. Either A, people will buy into it because it'll, it'll be so over the top and I'm going to go all in on the act. Or uh, the second option would be just that they think I'm totally crazy and I've lost my mind. And now that I think I'm some sort of supernatural deal. So whichever way it ended up being viewed, I was going to roll with that. They're the best four words that any man could hear. I knew you'd come. <laughs> Are you looking to take your gimmick from broken to woken? Well, lucky for you, this episode of The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy is brought to you by Blue Chew. I know a lot of wrestling fans have plenty of bravado when it comes to sharing opinions on Twitter. But what about when it comes to stepping up to the plate in the bedroom? That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. Now, if you're like me and you're always on the road or you're at work at different hours every day, no problem. You can take them on a moment's notice. And then what do you know? Things are about to get extreme. And the process is incredibly easy. Sign up at BlueChew.com and consult with one of their licensed medical providers. Once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And all of those confidence problems will soon become obsolete. The best part is, it's all done online. You don't have to go to the doctor. You don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy. And you can spend your free time creating poetry in motion rather than having awkward conversations about your ladder breaking before you can get it set up. 
Blue Chew tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. House Hardy has grown in size quite a bit over the years. That's because I know the importance of taking the twist of fate into your own hands rather than letting yourself become a whisper in the wind. V1 of your sex life may not have been great, but V2 can be. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you have our promo code HARDY at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code HARDY to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring our podcast. Why did you think that a supernatural character would work in the age of the internet? Uh, I, I definitely want to try it because I just, it, it's a, it's a staple of, of wrestling. I mean, at the end of the day, wrestling is entertainment and, you know, people hate to admit that. I mean, I know people enjoy their serious wrestling, but wrestling is obviously entertainment. When you throw a guy to the ropes, he hits the ropes and comes back. So that's, I mean, n- nothing gets more entertainment than that in reality. So I just wanted to give it a shot and see what I could do. And I was also motivated to do this, to try and do more character work and have this over the top, large than life persona because the guys are getting so much more athletic and so much more acrobatic, you know, so I know I'm not going to be able to work like the, the, the work was shifting. The work rate was really shifting at that time and becoming hot. It was becoming high and, and, and very talented guys in the ring. So I was like, well, considering I'm an older guy and I can't do what I used to do when I was 20, 25, I said, let me try an over the top character. How hard of a realization is that to come to as a veteran that you can't do the things that you used to do? I mean, it sucks and it's very frustrating, but it's, it's also just reality. It's just uh, the circle of life. You know, as you get older, you realize like you're very special in your youth, like enjoy that youth and, and that healthiness. Okay. So the next week it's going to be a gauntlet match to determine the number one contender mm-hmm. for the championship. Uh, Jeremy Borash, who is somebody that we will talk at length about during the course of this series is backstage with you and your cronies and you're drawing numbers for the gauntlet match. This is this is a great Matt Hardy moment right here. And Tyrus draws him, draws his number. He, he doesn't like it. You draw your number. You don't like it. Spud's very happy about his number. So you just snatch his number instead. And uh, you gloat about how great the number is that you got. This feels like some classic broken or big money Matt stuff. How much fun were you having with this character at this point, knowing that it was about to change? Uh, I mean, I enjoyed it. I love doing the whole Big Money Matt thing. And and I think that still, if the title would have stayed on me a little longer, I think we could have built more momentum. I, I think we were doing well, but they, they wanted to go with the direction of Drew McIntyre and Drew Galloway. And I was very cool with that. So I was enjoying the last little bit I had of it because I knew we were getting ready to do some really wild stuff going forward. So we get this gauntlet match. You come out at eight. Jeff is out at nine and he eliminates you to become the number one contender. He loses the next week to Drew, but after your goons try to attack, he and Galloway, they fight them off. You got Galloway one more time. And Jeff says he's coming for you after he beats all of your guys. I like this. This is good layered yeah. storytelling. And it's all about the chase, right? In pro mm-hmm. wrestling, like you're the heel. Everyone wants to see you get your comeuppance. Right. And, and he's Jeff Hardy. Right. There's a lot to work with here at this point. Do you know at this moment in time that you're going to be having a series of matches? 
We knew we were going to have a couple of matches. We we hadn't established or determined how much it was going to be, but we definitely knew we were having a series of matches. And I wanted to do something, an incident in one of the matches where I transformed into this new character. So the next week at Revenge, Jeff beats Eric Young in a cage match to get back at him for that pile driver. Mm-hmm. And you end up losing to Drew Galloway one last time. Um, you are yelling at Jeff during the match here. Um, just to keep building those layers. And we're getting this hearty intertwining throughout this story being told. I like a lot that your character is really fleshed out. There's a lot of chaos in your head Mm -hmm. as I'm watching this. When you are trying to get your character's motivations across, how much time do you spend personally thinking about those little things you can do in a match like that? I, I try to. Uh, I, I really know that's an important part of my act in this day and age, especially as we're talking about earlier. You know, when you're an older performer and you're trying to uh, rely more on your character than your actual athletic ability in in some degrees. So that that's very important. I think if you have a character that can have those little nuances, that can have those little traits that that they perform something, people go, "See, I knew it. I knew it. It fits. He's a piece of shit." You know, there's th- things you can incorporate that really pass that message along to the fans. Who did you learn the little things from? I think that used to be a Dave Laganaism, the little things. Who did you learn that from? Uh, a, a lot of that came from Michael Hayes. And then I feel like just, just going forward, just as I got older, I became better at trying to, you know, enter into a character and really commit myself to it. it seems like that would be a Michael Hayes thing for you. So you guys... It's amazing when you think where this story started, because that's what we talked about in the first episode right. of this series, like highest of highs, tag team champions. No one would have expected that we would end up here. Right. And yet now we are ready for another Matt versus Jeff feud. Were you ready to fight your brother again? Was it time for you to finally do this now going on, I believe, seven years after your last feud together? Yeah, we were both very comfortable and we were both looking forward to, to battling one another. We, we felt comfortable in our skins. We felt comfortable with our places and our characters. So we, we look forward to, to wrestling one another. So April 12th, you and Tyrus face Jeff and Drew, and Rebby hands you a hammer to hit Jeff with, and you pin him. So mm-hmm. here you are getting a victory on Jeff, even with some tomfoolery. And that huh. sets, up, sets us up for the night that starts the broken character, all things considered. Right. April 19th. 2016, a transformative night Mm -hmm. in the history of the career of Matt Hardy. It is an I quit match, and it is a really awesome match, especially for where you guys were at that stage in your career. Yeah, yeah. I like this match a lot. I was going to ask you if you were proud of this match. Um, So you guys go out to the outside. There's a lot of back and forth. You're both yelling at each other to quit. It feels very personal, Yeah, and I really like that a lot. So eventually Jeff gets you down and he goes up a ladder, changes his mind, comes down. He walks past you to the steps and goes all the way up to the production platform. Mm -hmm. He tears his shirt off because that's the spot in the Hardy match that he has to do that. And he hits a massive swanton that puts you through a table. Both of you are out cold. All the officials are coming to check on you. Jeff ultimately sits up. They're showing all the different angles of this replay, trying to make this out to be a very big moment. Yes. Rebby is shrieking at the medics as they're trying to load you onto a gurney. And that's how the show comes to a close. Some pretty heavy stuff here. How did you guys go about laying this out? Um, 
It was an idea, uh, I think, initially pitched by John, Ga- John Gabrick. And John Gabrick, big, he was out there at the very end, too, to try and make it have like a more realistic feeling in some degrees. Because we knew we didn't want to deliver on a winner between the two of us right now. And this was going to be my opportunity to have that out where there's this big incident that's happened to me. And now I can take this and, and start telling a story that, like, this man's mentally broken following this this deal and his whatever his condition is. And that was my opportunity to try, try and believe in my mind that I was some supernatural being. I wrote in my notes here that this is very reminiscent to WWE storytelling, but I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. And what I mean by that is I'm talking about the stretcher job and you're really trying yeah. to get the visuals over. Uh, you've been broken in half. Rebbe is super important here to getting over the gravity mm-hmm. of what has happened to you. Were you guys happy with how everything came off? Yeah, we were very happy. And and I got to tell you, Jeff hit me with like the easiest swanton possibly And it ever. looked awesome. It, it looked great. And it hurt him a lot more than it hurt me. I knew he was coming from such a high distance, you know, and he had to, to clock me on it. So it, it was all good, though. And it looked crazy enough and violent enough and like dangerous enough that I could be seriously injured. And that, that was the whole thing we needed to get out of that. I know you were looking forward to this feud, but where was Jeff at? He's coming off this major injury. He hasn't been back in the ring all that long at this point. Right. Now he's got a chance to be positioned in a really unique situation. Where was he at? He was in a good place. Uh, he, he it, we just, we were just both so comfortable, more comfortable than we've ever been working against one another. And we were getting to kind of steer the ship, you know, so we, we had a ton of say, uh, in what we were doing. So that made it even more fun. We really enjoyed it. Like we, we, we loved getting together. We loved, uh, pitching angles and having creative ideas and ways that we can continue to drag this out and like make it super entertaining. So we're both in good places and we both enjoyed it. So you're going to be off TV for about a month here. Mm-hmm. How much preparation is being put into the character and how much of it was fleshed out at this point? Uh, I had, I mean, I had an idea of what I wanted to do. I wanted it to be very different. I wanted it to be unorthodox. Everything that I did, I wanted it to be unorthodox. And the idea for my hair, which was called my shock streak at the time, uh, it came, it was Rebby's idea initially. And I'm glad that we ended up doing that because there was one point where Big actually suggested, he said, what if you just like dyed all your hair and you were like, you know, bleach blonde. You know, to do that. And it's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how that would look. And then we were talking about different ideas and and, and, and pitching different things. And Rebby actually is a big fan of the movie Sweeney Todd. And that is where the hairstyle was inspired from. And it was her idea originally. Where else did you draw inspiration from at this point? Because I know as the character yeah. lived on, you continued to drag more. But for the very beginning stage of it, where else were you pulling from? With what, with what I was going to do, I was so intrigued, as I said in the Mad Fact at the beginning of the show, with just like the, the concept of vampires, like how vampires can live in different time periods. You know, they have different hairs. They wear different clothes. I love True Blood. That was, that's my favorite all-time vampire show. So I loved watching like a Bill Compton or an Eric Northman go through the True Blood show and the series when you'd see these flashbacks and, and how their hair was different or how the, the style of clothing that they would wear was different in different eras of time. And I wanted to do something along those lines. And obviously, none of us are truly immortal and you can't be immortal. I said, but what if I felt like enough of my brain had been broken and unlocked that I could control, uh, I, I could control the sense of where my soul's been? I know that every other vessel has been in. So in theory, 
what the force, the essence, which is the term I ended up coining, the essence inside of me, I am cognizant of it. I'm aware of where it's been. And that, that way you can kind of have a play on that you're immortal in some degrees. You know, obviously physically you're going to get older, but like your essence, your soul goes from body to body. And now you're cognizant and aware of where your soul's been. Is Rebby your main soundboard for all this? She, she was, yes, she was my, my main soundboard for all this. And I would throw ideas at Jeff. And also I was working very closely with Shane Helms at the time too, who was a producer at Impact. So, so those were my, my big soundboards, yes. What did Jeff think of your idea for the character? He, he thought it was cool and interesting. I don't think anybody understood it at first. And even when I went out and spoke the first time, like I didn't tell anybody I was going to start speaking with an accent. I just went and I did it. And I remember coming back through like in grill and everybody was kind of like, uh, that was, was, was good. Good, I think. And then I remember Rebby was like, what the fuck was that? You know, I was like, I'm trying something different here. And then obviously then later on down the road, once I kind of get it, dialed back and tuned in and I know what I'm doing with the accent and the dialect and pronouncing words in very crazy ways. Obviously the the voice and speech of Broken Matt Hardy was one of people's favorite things of the whole character. Did you know or have any idea of how impactful that this character had the potential to be? I, I didn't think it would be as impactful as it was, but it was crazy how beloved it became after we started. And, and especially... Obviously, we're going to do a deep dive in on the final deletion. Just that event, everything kind of came together then. Like, we'll get to the contract signing. And that, that was the first time where I knew, like, we had something special here. Because it was so polarizing. Like, it evoked emotion. Whether it was good or bad, it evoked emotion. Everyone had an opinion on it. Well, we're about to change wrestling here. This, this little stretch of time that we're about to talk about yeah. is quite literally going to change the course of wrestling history. So let's get into it. May 10th episode of Impact. Uh, Jeff is teaming with James Storm against the Decay, a team that would become a big part of your yes. story as well, in a losing effort after an imposter Willow distracted Jeff. After the match, he searched backstage for the imposter Willow, but was attacked by three people dressed as Willow. On the May 17th episode, he defeated one of the imposter Willows, and afterwards, Matt Hardy reveals himself to be one of the imposters behind the attacks on Jeff. You pull off the mask, and we see that your hair is different. It's aired out. It's got a streak of gray in it. You mentioned that you have brilliance. You have drawn out everything with your speech. And I was reading a Cage Side Seats recap of the show, and this is what they had to say at the top. Mm -hmm. The most upsetting part of all this nonsense is the fact that this is the end of the iconic Matt Hardy. Big Money Matt was a great character. He was so cocky and full of shit, and it was excellent. Matt's matches are hit or miss given how the years of wrestling have taken a toll on his body, but he always brought it with his heel character. And now he's got this ridiculous crap to work with. They take away the best part of Matt Hardy and then give him the worst part of Jeff. There you have it. Um, it's, uh, that's, that's a very interesting take. I mean, it was very polarizing. And there were a lot of people who especially loved to look at wrestling as like a serious sport and didn't really accept or appreciate the entertainment aspect of it, you know, who, who hated this, you know, but it, once it was so polarizing and people were talking about it one way or the other, I knew that it was going to be something special. You know, growing up, cereal was one of the very best parts about being a kid, but I'm not going to lie to you. I had to give it up because I realized eventually as I became an adult and the dad bod kicked in that it was just full of sugar 
and a lot of stuff that, quite frankly, you really shouldn't be putting inside your body. We're all trying to eat better, we're more health conscious, but healthy breakfast doesn't actually have to be boring. Magic Spoon has the amazing flavors you love, but without all that bad stuff, and it's amazing as a midnight snack right before bed. Yeah, I'm guilty of it. I've been trying to cut down on carbs and sugar and all that unhealthy stuff that I've been putting into my body because I'm starting to realize as I approach that big number 3-0 that I can't eat quite like I used to be able to. And there's so much good coming out of Magic Spoon. Zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. And not only that, but only 140 calories a serving as well. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, as I said, low-carb. And yeah, now you can even do this. You can build your own box. Available flavors to build your own custom bundle or cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, and maple waffle. I am in love with the taste of Magic Spoon cereal. I was a little apprehensive at first to try it, but once I finally tasted it, the fruity, oh, it is that familiar flavor that you love from your childhood, but in a much, much healthier presentation. You gotta go check this stuff out, and if I've convinced you to give it a shot, here's how you can get it. Go to magicspoon.com forward slash hardy to grab a custom bundle of cereal, and be sure to use our promo code hardy at checkout to save $5 off your order. That's right, you can delete $5 off of your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in its product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for whatever reason, the company is going to refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, go get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal. That is guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash hardy and use code hardy to save $5 off. And we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. You know that I've said this to you a multitude of times. Mm-hmm. You, you genuinely, so wholeheartedly, I mean this with the bottom of my heart, were one of my top, top, top guys that made me a wrestling fan. I followed your career so closely. I fucking hated this. I hated this when I saw it. I'm sure. Because I just, maybe it was not understanding. Maybe I thought that me and my bougie wrestling critiquing, I had, oh, this is, this is below me. Yeah. But it didn't make sense. So I'm bringing this up because when you debut a character with no vignettes, there's there's no hype at all to any mm-hmm. of this. How much do you run the risk of alienating a fan base to the point where you can't bring them back by just cold cocking them with something so out of the world here? I, I, I mean, I I think you have to be. I mean, you you have to be uh, not afraid to take that risk of doing something crazy. You you can't be afraid to think out of the box. You have to try different things. And I always feel like because we kind of control our destiny because it's pro wrestling, I think you can always bring people back, even if you do something and and like piss them off that they don't like or whatever. I, I think you can turn around and bring people back. And still, you might lose uh, a certain status that people might look at you from. But I think being, you know, not afraid to take a risk on a creative level like that is so important in pro wrestling in this day and age. So the next week, you're really starting to lean into this accent here. Mm-hmm. And it's becoming more pronounced. Yeah. 
Um, it took, took it took a few weeks to kind of figure that out what I was doing. It, it really, honestly, it probably takes a little more than that. I was comparing the beginning of the run to yeah. the middle and end of it, and it's dramatically different. Yeah. Why did you choose to adapt on the fly? Just do the things that I, the accent changed a lot because I would do things that I felt like I would do easily in repetition in uh, in repetition that I would do over and over again, and they sounded consistent. They sounded the same because I wanted the character to always sound the same. Sometimes I would talk in certain accents, but it, it sounded different each time. So I got to a point where it was pretty consistent across the board with how I would say every term. And that's what I worked on doing. Where did you come up with the idea to enunciate certain terms and emphasize certain terms? Just to, to present words in a very funny and entertaining way. And and there were just words that I thought like I could drag out that would be funny or entertaining. And I just tried to pick certain words, select certain words and keep using those over and over and like get those over. That, with, like, that's get exactly it, what you just said. Get it over. With like any other concept. I mean, you have to choose a few things. You can't necessarily get everything over, but you can you highlight certain things and you can get those things over. It's like awesome. The what chance there's, you know, when you're cutting a promo, when you emphasize a certain part, you want the crowd to pick up on those certain little idiosyncrasies. Yes. And as we'll discuss here, you had your pick of uh, several good ones. Right. As we go. So uh, you're leaning into the accent. You've got a match set for Slammiversary with Jeff, who you are now referring to as Brother Nero. Right. Nero, of course, is Jeff's middle name. Mm-hmm. How'd you come up with the idea to call him Brother Nero? I mean, as I said before, I was trying to do everything unorthodox. I was trying to do everything very different, like something that has never been seen in pro wrestling. And so many people have called him different things, you know, Jeffrey, you know, whatever it may be. But like Nero is something that has never been used. Uh, it's not what he wasn't even hugely public information. I don't think at, at that time people were going, oh, man, you know, Matt's middle name's more just middle name's Nero. They never really talked about that. So just by doing it as different as possible, brother, Denier, uh, brother Nero, and, and also even the delete term, I want to say I knew I had to like exterminate brother Nero. I had to, uh, to totally destroy. I had to delete brother Nero because I was trying to look for different words to like, you know, make, make paint the picture that you're going to defeat him like for good once and for all get rid of him forever well and you're trying to stand out and we hear in so many wrestling promos just traditional wrestling promos and normal speak um oh i'm i'm gonna exterminate you i'm gonna no one will survive you know so it's like right. finding a way to stand out and be different yes so where does delete come from because there are many rumors and some conflicting tales as to the origin of it uh, literally I started using it because it was a word that was current and modern that I think people were still saying, you know, like delete your account or whatever at that point. I just, <laughs> I, I, I utilized it because it was like a cool kind of half ass hip word and it was something that had never been used before. But then I started hearing like all these death note things and, and, uh, Cybermen or whatever, but I didn't get the delete concept from anywhere else with the exception of probably googling you know like destroy or annihilate whatever synonyms you know and it probably that's where delete would have originated from because it was kind of like a hip word at the time so you owe some royalties to the thesaurus because it provided you some pretty fucking big paydays there matt hardy there you go delete gets it done all right so later on in the evening uh ec3 beats you with via disqualification from mike bennett but we're shown you sitting in the dark with Rebby, and she comes in to ask what's wrong, and we get a monologue from you right. about how you need to get rid of Nero for your life to be able to continue. And Rebby talks about how 
you're alienating everyone around you, but you don't care because all you do care about is Brother Nero. Right. This little shift here in the family, because the family was a big part of the Big Money Matt presentation. Mm-hmm. Why are we going in this direction now? Uh, well, we wanted her to put over that I was being very strange, very weird, uh, unorthodox. And then once again, as she said, you know, like you're pushing everyone away. But we knew once we got to this contract signing, we're going to end up having her be like part of the team. It was a big ploy and we were able to fool Jeff. So so she was supposed to be doubting me, you know, to even add to the weirdness or the oddness of what I was doing. What role did Rebby play in getting the broken family and broken character over? Uh, her playing the piano uh, is something that was huge in that. And, and pianos and that music became like such a, a big part of that whole act and the whole gimmick and the whole House Hardy concept. So she she was a very integral part of, of everything. Plus, uh, you know, we, we bounced ideas off one another. And she had a lot of great ideas on all these things as well. How much fun was she having with you? Because it seems like she's all in here, even with the yeah. baby. She was. Yeah, she was all in. And, uh, and and we're just enjoying it that we actually could travel to work together and, and work together and then be characters that were, you know, connected on screen. So it was a lot of fun. Okay, let's talk about that contract signing. Let's get to this point because you've mentioned this to me off air. Uh-huh. That this is one of your favorite segments that you guys have done. And it's critical to giving right. the audience a look into who Broken Matt Hardy is. Mm-hmm. So uh, we go to the Hardy compound for the first time. And I'll stop right there. Right. Because that's a pretty vulnerable decision in the first place. You're letting cameras into your personal home. How would you feel about that? Uh, we were okay with it. We were definitely comfortable with it. I mean, I think that's one of the big differences between like myself and my brother and his family, I feel like they're a lot more private. You know, they're, they're not as open. We're very open about our, you know, our home and our family. And as far as I don't mind it being out there and people seeing it or whatever. Uh, so we are very public, outspoken, outgoing people when it comes to that. So I was cool doing the things in my house. And I think Jeff was as well. And we had no idea the Hardy compound would become such a great gimmick like it ultimately would be. The whole point of this segment was to once again show how unorthodox Broken Matt was. And, you know, whenever I do Broken Matt speak, I wanted it to sound obnoxious and, and be over the top and just outrageous and try and use old words that were archaic and not used a lot in this day and age. I mean, everything about it, I tried to be different. Who's going to your place to shoot this vignette? Uh, Jeremy Borash. Jeremy Borash and, uh, and Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Paradise. Those were two guys. They both actually work for WWE. I got them hired, but then I had to skip out of there. They're both at NXT now. Was JB excited to take a dive into something like this? Yeah, he was He was really good with it. J, JB was awesome, and he was such a creative person. And, and JB was very, very good at coaching or producing our segments. Like, he would know, like, what we should really emphasize from the character – uh, how, how we can keep things short and concise. And he was so beneficial to everything we did. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was great at the entertainment aspect of Matt Hardy's Broken Brilliance. So we see you playing the piano. Can you actually play a piano? I know Rebby can. I cannot. Okay. All right. Just fake wrestling shit. Got yeah. Um, and then we get the first ever Brother Nero, I Knew You'd Come. Right. A staple of the Broken Matt character. Was that done accidentally and it just caught on? Or was that something you were trying to get over, as you mentioned before? Uh, it happened 
accidentally. I mean, I obviously meant to say it, but I didn't realize it was going to get over the way it did. And it's crazy how that became like a big meme. People were making different versions of that that music. I mean, it was crazy how viral that that went. And then obviously we knew when so many people were hitting that Brother Nero, I knew you'd come. We had something to work with. So that was something I was going to always highlight and try and emphasize whenever we were doing it. It's in our Bluetooth ad as well. So go check that out. Promo code Hardy. Uh, you take Jeff to the ring over in the warehouse. We get a glimpse of Senor Benjamin too. Yes, to our genesis. To the genesis of where this all began or some kind of crazy nonsense. I said. You say that this must end here where it all began, which apparently is that ring in the barn. And uh, Jeff goes to get in it, but you roll outside to a small table. Jeff wants this all to end, but here's Rebby to throw a fake baby at him. Yes. Uh, let's let's stop there for a second. Let's do stop there. I, I want to even, we did a couple of cuts. If you watch the cut in the contract signing, wherever I roll out of the ring, you see I like catch my legs on the ropes. So I did it twice, totally clean. And then the third one, and JB's like, which one are you going to use? I said, no, use the one where my feet get on the ropes. Where like I'm a hill and I'm supposed to be kind of like a dickhead piece of shit. And I think it's even funnier if you use that where I do get caught in the ropes a little bit. I, I, I really do, I don't want this to look perfect. I want it to look gritty and strange and different and unorthodox. Much like uh, nothing you've ever seen in pro wrestling. Well, and you're broken. So none of this should be smooth. Right. None of this should be fluid. You are an anomaly as a character here. So the fake baby... Yes. This is different. It's a little out there. How'd this all come about? Uh, it was, we definitely wanted Rebby to screw Jeff. And that was her idea to use this because we had this little fake baby that she had. And then I, I want to say that was her idea. I think I'll credit her with that because yeah, I'm pretty sure it was her idea. And then we decided to do the thing where she would throw the baby and it's so funny. The bottle that I had that I'd pulled out that I was going to smash over Jeff's. It was one of the, you know, easily breakable glass bottles. It had broke just from holding it. So it's like in the hand, I only have half of them. It's broken in my hand, so I try and smash it. It's real short and very weak in the big scheme of things, but we were just, that was all we had. We were working with what we had. It's funny you mention that because Dave Meltzer in his recap of it says that it was uh, something made of glass and he couldn't make out what it was. So yeah. it's just because it broke ahead of time. And then you give him a side effect through a table and you promise all of this is going to end at Slammiversary. Even even that table that was we had like a regulation table, and then I we had found this old table that we'd had in storage, and I was like, I think we should break this other table because it's different, it's unorthodox, and like you know, once again, if it's just a regular table, then it's like regular wrestling, and I'm trying to do anything I can to like stray from regular wrestling or regular things you see on a wrestling program. So if you actually look at that table, whenever the the top goes flying off, I had taken an axe and like tried to cut part of it so the table would hopefully break or do whatever, but the whole thing ended up flipping over still. And it still, it looked amazing. Unfortunately, we were both fine from it. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.
NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. New Year's resolutions are just hard to keep up with, but saving money is easy at SaveWithConrad.com. Wouldn't 2022 be easier with lower monthly payments? Get the best rate you've ever had, pay off your credit card debt, and even get the cash you need right now at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to get started, and you can even skip your next two house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. Find out how much money you can save for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for goliathlife.com. But to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance, yet we never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit goliathlife.com. And I mean, right now, and just personally, I've lost two friends in their forties this past year and a half. And I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through. Had they not had life insurance. If you don't have it, get it, protect your family. And I suggest you go to goliathlife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance, super easy. Goliath Life streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes, and you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price, you start the online application immediately, and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork, and the crazy invasive conversations. Goliath Life makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. Goliath life is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. I think one of the most endearing things about the broken hearty run is it's very DIY. It's very DIY. Yeah. Like you had the backing of a pretty big company, mm-hmm. but you did everything mostly on your own. How much more special did that make the accomplishments that you guys were achieving with it? Really special. I mean, whenever we ultimately talk about WrestleMania 33, whenever we came out and came down that ramp and we saw thousands of people doing delete, 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 delete something that we had truly created you know, on our own at a very small company that just became a viral thing. And now it's like everywhere in the WWE's biggest show of the year was, was pretty rewarding. So the whole while that we were doing this, it was cool, especially when it started building momentum, like the comments and stuff that we got after we did the final deletion really let us know that we were onto something special for sure. Very excited to look into the final deletion with you next week here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. But after this segment, Matt, people, They're talking. They're very much talking. Oh, yeah. Some good. Crazy polarizing. Some bad. What's the reaction backstage to this contract signing? They were unsure of it. Uh, You know, they they didn't know how people were going to react to it. And and it's one of those things, like, it just, it gets so much attention. And it was so polarizing. I mean, people said, like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. This is, like, what pro wrestling should be, especially the people who 
are fans of the entertainment aspect of pro wrestling. Like, oh my God, this was amazing. It was so good. And like, didn't take itself too serious. Usually these cinematic matches like try and take themselves real serious, but it's like wrestling and it's kind of hokey anyway in the first place. And then there were some people who said, that is the most embarrassing shit I have ever seen in my life. You know, it was back and forth. But everybody... They're talking. Everybody was talking about this unorthodox persona that Matt Hardy Did you care either way if it was well-received or negatively received? I mean, I I think I wanted people to enjoy it. And I knew it would take a while for them to kind of understand the vision of what we were going here for. Because it was, you know, over the top and and campy. And and it was supposed to be fun at the end of the day. But then, you know, obviously when people hate it, it's like, well, I don't know. maybe, Maybe this thing will fail. But, you know, I know at least creatively I am being fearless. You know, about doing this. Not just all that. This isn't airing on Monday Night Raw. This isn't airing on Dynamite, where there's a million plus people watching. We've discussed at length already. Right. The TV audience is not big. And you're relying on the internet mm-hmm. and Reddit right. and YouTube to get this character over. And that's just different than anything you've ever had to rely on. And, and it also became a point, uh, as we continue to move deeper into the Broken Matt Hardy character, like... I really went out of my way to try and like do things or say things that would be memes or that would be gifts. That was like part of the whole goal with this. That was, that, that was part of the work and the magic of Broken Man Hardy. I was trying to look for things that were just so different, so crazy, so unorthodox. Like, oh my God, this is funny. This should be a meme. This should be a gif. I'm going to get this. Well, that would happen because the amount of gifs that I have saved on my phone of you that I use for <sighs> tweets for our account is already in surplus. Uh, So from the Observer here, the company has a pay-per-view on June 12th, and really the only thing anybody is talking about about this company is the Matt Hardy character, which is by far the hottest thing in all the promotion right now. So people are taking notice here. Mm -hmm. But here's one thing we haven't talked about. The situation with Matt is that they were going to talk again at TV this week about him signing an exclusive contract. TNA had been trying to sign some talent exclusive contracts, whereas Jeff was on one, but you were not. Where was their resistance from you at this point in time, especially as you're developing this new character? I, I was under contract, though. So you were under an exclusive contract. I, I, I was under contract, but they wanted like they wanted to extend our deals. Like our deal was coming up, you know, at, okay. the, end, at the end of end of February. Uh, 2017. Basically, uh, March, uh, it was the very beginning of March, the end of February, beginning of March 2017 is when my deal was up. Okay. So yeah, I was, I was under contract at that time. They just wanted you on in a, they, an extension. They, they, they wanted us to sign three more years. Okay. And I remember big, we talked about it several times. We'd kind of talk about what we'd want, what we'd want. But then as the company started going down the road and then they realized, I don't know, this company's going to stay in business. And then the contract talks stopped for a while until Anthem came. And then once Anthem took it over, they started back up again. Is there any concern while you're having these contract discussions at this point in time about ownership of the character? Because we know that will become a very big thing down the line. Yeah, you know, there, there was a lot of the things that we did when we shot at, at my house or on the Hardy compound that we also funded ourselves. So we almost assumed we're going to own this character because like I was doing it and like, literally it's not like a company wasn't paying for these different things. If I was breaking tables and props or whatever it may be, it was things that I was paying for. Like even in the final deletion, the the ring that we rented in addition to the ring in my building, like is is something I paid for the hot spots ring. 
So I was definitely an investor in this, but you know, it was a different deal when Anthem came in there because they weren't in the wrestling business before and they didn't understand kind of how things were working at that time. That is an episode in and of itself. Yes, it is. I'm sure we will touch on at some point here. Uh, so there's a brawl between you and Jeff that leads us to this anniversary match. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the Observer here, Jeff Hardy pins Matt Hardy in a heavy metal mayhem match in 16 minutes and 55 seconds. Lots of weapon shots here. This is a quote from Dave. At one point, Jeff slammed Matt's head into the turnbuckles and he no-sold it like he was Dick the Bruiser or Hulk Hogan. Maybe since he's pretending to be from Nigeria, he was playing the stereotypical 70s African-American wrestler gimmick. Why was that pretending to be from Nigeria? I have no idea what he's referring to there. I guess with the accent, he took that as something. Because I I don't know. That's the only assumption I can draw here. Um, As I say that, you mentioned to me off air that you had a conversation with Dave Meltzer about this character at some point. What was that like? Uh, Later on, he just admitted, almost like you said, like when I first watched it, I didn't understand it and I didn't like it and I hate it, but I I see what you're doing. And in the big scheme of things, it was genius. And he actually came around to that as well, which is is pretty, pretty amazing considering he's, he's Dave Meltzer and a guy who, you know, created the star system. How many stars do you think he gave this match, this full metal mayhem match? I don't know. Would it have three and a half, four? Three and a half. You think that's appropriate? What do you think of this match? I, I remember like I like the series of matches we had. We were, you know, both very happy with what we we're doing. We we're both very comfortable with the angles I'd said earlier, which which goes a long ways, I think, whenever people are working together. Because if you have an angle that you're uncomfortable with, it just it doesn't flow as smoothly, especially like your matches and your interactions and and your 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 character interactions. But like uh, we we enjoyed these series of matches, and I think the trickiest thing for us was like we wanted to keep one upping ourselves whenever we had each one of these matches because we already had such a huge deal in the I Quit match where I first became broken with the injury injury where how do you top that unlocked the limits right. of my mind so it was like now we're going into this uh, full metal mayhem match you know so that's like okay we can we have some different gimmicks here we can try to make the special or or you know top the other one to some degree at least stand out. And then we're like, man, what are we going to do now? That ends up being a cage match following following up down the road. Jeff used the swanton over the top to put you through another table and get the win here. Yes. Are you changing up your in-ring style as you're changing this character? Yes. And and even when Dave said the thing about no selling the head, that once again was uh, just a play on believing I'm a supernatural character, which is different. Like, you know, I don't take pain like a, a normal mortal would. Undertaker stuff. And that is, yeah. And that, that was something that I said Many times I would say, like, I am more. Like, I am more than human. That was kind of the, the role I was trying to to portray. On the next impact, you caused Jeff to beat Eli Drake via DQ after biting Earl Hebner's face and hands. Mm. Uh, biting and teeth would be a big part of the broken Matt character. Yes. Where did that come from? Uh, all inspired from True Blood, which obviously a, a lot of takes from True Blood uh, ended up being incorporated into to Broken Matt Hardy. So yeah, the, the the biting and the blood, and a lot of times those were like whenever I'd bite an ear or whatever, it'd be blood pills is what we'd use uh, on the ear and in my mouth. So all that stuff came from True Blood. It was very inspirational, you know, as far as the Broken Mount Hardy goes. How did Earl have no taste? Uh, he was delightful. Outstanding. Jeff is still in the ring after this, and he says that he's sore after your pay-per-view match, but he did what he had to do to get rid of Brother Moore. If I can be Brother Nero, he can be Brother Moore. He, he should have turned around on me. I would have liked him to stick with that more. It, it didn't stick around all that much. I would have yeah. liked him to lean into that. 
Um, but apparently that wasn't enough because Matt is still crazy after this loss. And you pop up above the video screen to say that this is where broken Matt Hardy was born. This was where Jeff Hardy tried to end his career with no remorse for Matt Rebby or Maxwell. You want Jeff to be deleted, but Jeff thinks that would be better off cutting a six-minute promo in a hotel room instead than what you're spewing right now. Um, so mm. there's some more ballyhoo. And, uh, that, that was from something I do on social, if I'm not mistaken. And I want to say that was a Dave Lagana idea, just where I was staring at the camera. I was in a hotel room, just like distraught, and staring at the camera for like six minutes. I don't even think I said anything during the whole, whole deal. And it became like this big, highly viral meme on social media for a minute. And that's what Jeff was referencing in that, in that promo. You refer to yourself here as broken Matt Hardy. Like, this is broken. When do you come up with the idea to call it broken Matt Hardy? I know that sounds like a remedial question, but yeah, when did that come about? Uh, it was right around the uh, that Full Metal Mayhem match. Okay, so because that's what I was going to say, because there's kind of a pivot in the character where yeah. you're starting to become a little more comfortable it was with everything you're doing. Definitely, and it's becoming a lot more uh, flushed out, and, and I, it, I'm just kind of solidifying right in front of us. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Were there any elements to the character that you were going to try or maybe started to do and then peeled back on and stopped doing that? There really isn't. I, I think everything that I did or things that I wanted to try and I thought might have a chance of getting over. I, di- I didn't. There was nothing that I was going to do that I pulled back on it or, you know, deleted or omitted. So there's nothing on the cutting room floor for Broken Matt Hardy? Nope. Interesting. You see when a lot of wrestlers are trying to come up with their characters, they will throw things at the wall to mm-hmm. see if they stick, right? None of that for Matt Hardy. You knew pretty much from the start this is what it's going to look like, and I'll figure it out as I go along. Yeah, it, it was really a, uh, a work in progress, you know, without a doubt. I, once again, I just I go back to that word unorthodox. That was one of the, 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 the words I wanted to use to describe a, a broken Matt character. You know, so unorthodox, everything I did, I tried to do stuff that was out of the normal. It's also brought up that you do this weird biting thing when you talk. Is that also from the vampires when you're doing that teeth I, thing? I, I think so, just because like the, the, the biting started getting over, so I utilized my teeth more. And I, and I also wanted to just be more like animalistic, even in the way I fought, uh, the way I talked, the way I acted. You know, even when I came to AEW, my version was to do a much more primal, animalistic version of Broken Matt Hardy as opposed to like the over-the-top silly, but we ended up in the pandemic, so I ended up going with things that people knew already. Talk to me about the space and time stuff, where you're going back and there are allusions to classical music, musicians mm-hmm. from the 1700s, and uh, you, you mentioned the essence before that you've lived right. through all of these different centuries and time periods. Where specifically is that element drawn from? 
I mean, that that's once again drawn from vampires. So even that is just strictly the vampire thing. work? There's no... Because, like, are you a history buff? Are you... I, I do. I mean, I enjoy history. I, th- I think that's really cool. And and one of the things I thought that with my essence, if I've known the other vessels it has been in, you know, obviously Bodies has been in, then that gives me a tie to where I can act like I knew historic figures. You know, I, I knew I, I knew people from history. I, I can know whoever, whoever it may be. I can, I can go... It's limitless. And that, that was the whole point with this character was to do something that had never been done before and something that really opened up the realm of storytelling in a really unique way. So uh, you want to face Jeff in Six Sides of Steel. Mm-hmm. You make that clear. So the next week, Jeff beats you again. And, and we did know, too, that we wanted Jeff to just overcome me every single time. He beat me. He beats me. He beats me until we get this one weird match that we talked about doing on the Hardy compound in such a different way. And that would be where I would I would win it all. Well, I'm glad you bring that up, though, because he has now. I mean, if you count the I quit match as a win, whether either way, yeah. it was technically, I guess, a, no contest. But yeah, more or less, Jeff won. Yeah, te- technically a win for him. Yeah. So. That's three wins he's got on you in mm-hmm. this series. Do you run the risk of losing the fans' attention in terms of stakes? Obviously, they're they're tuned into your character. Yeah. But stakes after a guy has beaten you three times, it feels like the matches start to matter a little less at that point. Yeah, I, I definitely see where we could run that risk, without a doubt. I, I guess that's the reason we tried to select these matches that were very big gimmick matches, which meant that we could have contests that would be exciting. That, you know, we, we, we felt like we could up the ante each time and that would keep people tuning back in. And fortunately, they stayed with us and they followed the craziness of the story. June 28th, 2016. Here's Matt in his wheelchair. The chair of wheels. The, the chair of wheels. Okay, that's a great point. And I was going to bring it up, but now that you said it. Where'd you come up with that idea? The, the chair of wheels, the mower of lawns. Uh, just Just trying to do stuff different. The bucks of youth. Yeah, just taking a term and and trying to swip it, uh, switch it back, and then throw an of in there. I, I was laughing because I was doing research and I was watching when you guys showed up in Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. and um, Ring of Honor is already in that dialect of speech, so you turned it into honorable ring instead. You you made it active from yeah. being passive. As opposed to going from passive to active. I, I thought that was just a funny little wrinkle uh, in the, the timeline here. Let's talk about Ring of Honor here for a second. Mm-hmm. Tony Khan just last week announced he bought it. Yes. Totally out of left field. What was your reaction when you found out? Uh, I mean, almost nothing shocks me in this day and age, but I thought it was it was pretty epic. Pretty epic that Tony Khan bought this, and you know the the first thing I heard about, I said, "Yeah," he said, "I got all your footage from ROH," <laughs> you know, which is a total Tony Khan line. Uh, but it, it, it's cool, and and once again, I think it will ensure that like the Ring of Honor footage, which they they did a lot of trailblazing stuff themselves, you know, it's gonna it's gonna stay alive, and it'll it'll be circulated, and it will live on forever. What would you like to see Ring of Honor become? I would almost. Yes, Ring of Honor will almost be like a developmental for AEW, uh, and, and it would just it. I, I feel like ROH would be like our NXT in their old system, and I think they'll have guys that can go work there exclusively, and they'll pull guys up, and also just having two brands like that. If you do it the right way, you can 
have someone on one, one brand for a long time, then, then once they are kind of getting, uh, once their programs are, are played out, you can switch them to the other brand. So it, it keeps helps keep acts fresh too. And one of the biggest knocks on AEW is the size of the roster. Well, now when you add another brand like this, that gives more places for people to work and get some reps too. Yeah. Would you ever be interested in getting involved on the coaching end of something like that? I, I mean, definitely. I, I think I'm going to do that in the future without a doubt. I mean, that way I can still be involved and, and it feels like you still kind of have an active part in, in pro wrestling, even if you physically can't wrestle that much anymore. I like that. Let's get back on track here as we wrap up. Uh, so Rebby's pushing you around in the chair of wheels. Uh-huh. Uh, you want to be wheeled around the ring so you can look into the eyes of everyone that has put you in this place. Good heel stuff here. All those heathens. <laughs> the fans want Jeff, so you yell about how you've been broken all over the place. You want Jeff out there to look him in the face, and that's exactly what we're going to get. You say that you want all this to be over, but you promise to never stop pursuing Jeff until you get what you need, which is just one win, which is an excellent callback to what got you into the title right. picture as Big Money Matt. You just need that yeah. one win. Is that done on purpose or is that just something that has evolved as we look at the story here? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it totally fits. I think it with, with the mindset of what I was doing as a character, especially knowing that I just literally was going to get Jeff when all the stakes were were there. I mean, I just needed that one win. So there was definitely a a reference to past activities of, of past characters as in Big Money Matt. So Jeff's like, didn't, you know, we, we've done this. We've we've wrestled and we've done this, but uh, Rebby <laughs> freaks out on him. There's a beat down. You hit him with a chair. You wrap it around his neck for a twist of fate. That's a gnarly, gnarly move. You did the it to tw- EC3. Twist of hate. The twist of hate, correct. Um, don't want anyone yelling at me. Uh, <laughs> How dangerous is that to pull off when you're putting someone through the chair? You did it with EC3. You did it with Jeff here. It, it, it can be dangerous. Uh, That's what busted EC3's mouth open in yeah, that match. Yeah, it, it, it can be dangerous. I mean, obviously, anytime you have a chair and you're doing something that is not natural or normal at all, you kind of have to work to to make sure you're protected from it. But it, it I feel like it's not like a reckless move, but it can be dangerous. Okay. So you say that the final match between you guys is going to be in one week at your house. Right. And you keep saying over and over that it will be the final deletion. Who came up with the term final deletion? I want to say, I know we wanted to name it. I want to say that I ended up saying that, but I will, I will go as far to say it was a myself and Jeremy Borash concept. As far as naming the first event, the final deletion, we wanted uh, deletion to be in it because delete was obviously the thing that was catching on everywhere. It was white hot at that time. People were starting to delete and they like chaining delete and, and whatnot, uh, even though I was a whole character. So we wanted deletion in, in the term and then the final deletion, which was more or less like this is the final match, the culmination of Matt and Jeff and all their careers, the final battle. And I feel like this is how you have to try and promote every single fight you have. <laughs> Did you think this would be the end of your feud? No, I mean, we, we knew, I, I knew we were still going to be working together, but we had, we had two plays here. One, regardless of the, the outcome of the final deletion, we knew that I was going to win that and I was going to take Jeff and break him like he had broken me in theory. That, that's where we're going with this. And we didn't know if people were going to either accept Jeff as that 
and then it's almost going to make me a baby face. Or the other thing we thought would happen is that Jeff would still overpower me throughout that step. And then I would turn back baby face. The plan was for us to always be baby faces together again. When it was all said, no, we just weren't sure how we're going to get there. We kind of was, we're feeling that as, as we go. So you were confident that this was going to get over enough to turn you back into a baby face. Yes. Right? Yeah. And we didn't know if it would be Jeff and I like reconnecting our bond and becoming uh, a new updated version of the Hardy boys together, or is it going to be broken Matt and the Jeff Hardy that has embraced the brother Nero concept? How are you feeling about things heading into this match? Uh, I was excited for it. We really didn't know. We, we, we learned a lot that day of the final deletion. You know, we had such a small crew doing that as it was too. So I was very excited for it. And uh, I'll never forget after we did it and we started editing footage and putting together stuff. I remember both Dixie and Big were so nervous about it. Just some of the stuff was so different. So out of the box. They were nervous about it being on television. But, you know, to their credit, they all greenlit it. And that gets us to what will probably be one of the most anticipated episodes in the history of the extreme life of Matt Hardy. Yeah. The final deletion. Next week on Becoming Broken Part 3, we are going to do a deep dive. Deep, deep dive. Into the final deletion and everything that made it possible. Yes. The background to it. Every little moment in the match we are going to break down. And I'm going to reveal details that have never been revealed before. This is what it's all about here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. Matt. If people want to listen to this podcast and help us climb that chart, what can they do to help us get there? Give us the five stars or you are deleted. Five stars. Leave a review and post it. And I'll tell you what, myself and John may hook you up with a gift. Might be something a little special for you guys. We so, 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 so much appreciate your support. And it'll open the opportunity for us to do some real cool things in the future here. Uh, assuming you still have ears after the five stars uh, <laughs> protruded those. Uh, but seriously, that's the biggest way you can help support the show. Please, 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 please do. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get it. on YouTube, Matt Hardy brand. Let us know how much you love the extreme life of Matt Hardy. And tell all your friends, hey, next week, guys, you remember that final deletion match that everyone was talking about? They're going to take a deep dive into that. Matt, also, we always talk about Rebby. Rebby, a huge, huge, huge part yes. of this final deletion story. Interval. The Broken Hardy story. Uh, we really got to get her talking in depth on the House Hardy Twitch stream about things because I would love to hear some more perspective from her. Yeah. What else is going on over on the Twitch? Uh, I think that that would be fun. Maybe we will do that after here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. We talk about the final deletion. Maybe we'll do a Twitch stream and I'll have Rebby give her version. A little follow-up. Yeah, follow-up. Go check that out. House Hardy on Twitch. Some good stuff there. Anything else you want to add here, Matt, as we get ready for our most anticipated episode to date? Uh, just very excited to be talking about the final deletion. Me as well. The words have been spoken. Things have been broken. We'll see you next time here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. My skin's dying.